Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. This is Chris, and we're back on the beach. Yay! It's been a while, right? We've been really pumping out the podcasts with uh, Troy, and uh, over there at Change One, Change All. And I hope you're following that and supporting it and giving it a like and sharing it with friends because we do work really, really hard to get those podcasts to everybody. Troy does a great job of editing them and putting them all together and we've got plans to keep it going at this great rate. Unlike Tim Ferriss and the gang, we don't fill them full of ads. So we, we get zero revenue, zero uh, sponsorship, which is very unlike the gang who are probably running at the at a range of twenty to thirty thousand dollars per podcast uh, sponsorship. So have a bit of uh, gratitude if you can. Make sure you get on iTunes and say you like it and make comments about how great it is and share it with friends. That's, that's a would be a great gift and a great act of kindness. So today it's a grumpy day. Simon Sinek is a keynote speaker, probably one of the more influential currently, one of the more influential corporate keynote speakers in the world. Simon has written a book called Infinite Mind, which is the biggest load of shit you'll ever read in your entire life, and therefore it's worth reading just to know how stupid people are. He has over 2 million or nearly 2 million followers on LinkedIn and more on other social medias. So he's a very, very influential person. But the amazing thing about this is what he's teaching is complete and utter uncooperated rubbish. He goes on LinkedIn and holds his hand up to the camera and goes, at the start of COVID, zero, zero, and he holds his hand up, zero companies focused on their competition. Well, I'm going to say, I work with a lot of management consulting firms. I work with a lot of them, and I work with a lot of people. And I can't say that there is zero, because every one of my clients was concerned with whether they'd get the next contract, whether they'd get the next job, whether they'd win the next uh, briefing. Against who? Against their competition. I have clients who work in corporations and want to get promoted to be partner or to be senior partner or to become CEO. Is that without a competition? Is that a random uh, exercise of uh, a random exercise of just be my best? But what is your best relative to what? I met an Olympic rowing coach from in Europe. Uh, they had. His rowing crew, eight, had won two Olympic Games gold medals. And he asked me this question. This guy was a billionaire. And I was in his garden overlooking his Olympic swimming pool in his backyard uh, with a range of Porsches in a glass garage behind me from, uh, from the first to the most current fastest uh, Porsche in the, in the world market. This guy, this billionaire, said to me these words. We were sitting there and he said, when you're in a race, business or rowing, do you race to win or do you race to beat someone? And I went, 
well, I'm a hippie. I'm a new age spiritual guy. You race to win, of course. He goes, loser. I don't like being called a loser. But he said, you're the loser that comes fourth, fifth, sixth and seventh. The crew in a rowing race or in a business looks at their competitor, sets the bar at their competitor's best and goes one step further. And that's what they race to do. They race to beat the number two. Now, yeah, there are different focal points during the race. Do you always focus on your competitor or do you focus on that bar? And where, but where is the bar set? It's not set on your personal best. It's set on beating your competitor's best. And that's how you get promoted. When you're in a business and you want to be partner, look around at the other people who are vying for partner. Think about their assets. Do a SWOT analysis on them and say to yourself, hmm, where do I rank? How do I pick their personal best and go one step further in the eyes of the people who are going to judge the race? It's a ridiculous notion. So I'd like to uh, emphasize this and give it a, a good example. So last week, my partner, Lotte, went to her triathlon run training. And she does it twice a week, leaves home 5 a.m. to drive quite a long way to be with a run coach on a field for two hours of hard running. And ended up, at the end of her training, she did 10 400-meter full-bore, full-speed sprints. That's four kilometers at full pace. She did 10 of them. The coach took her watch away and said, okay, what I want you to do, I want you to do is I want you to run, I want you to run your best time around the 400 meter course. And each time I'm gonna give you a different thing to focus on. First one I want you to do with your fresh and your legs are strong, is I want you to focus on your personal best. Off she did. Round she goes. Ha, ah, there's my personal best. Great. Second time, when she recovered after a few minutes, what we're going to do now is you're going to pretend you're chasing a competitor that you have to beat. So you have a competitor in front of you, and you have to beat that person. So off she went. He didn't give her any feedback as to how she was going or what the time was. She just arrived back at the finish, exhausted each time. Third time, I want you to imagine this time you're going around the 400 metres and there's a competitor chasing you and you have to stay ahead of them in order to win. Off she went, round she went. Fourth time, I want you to imagine you're in a pack and this group collective group is running at a pace. You have to keep up with the pace, but at the end, I want you to sprint out of the pack, cross the line first. This time, I want you to imagine that you've had a problem in the uh, uh, transition with your bike, and you've come out way off the pack, and there's very little chance of you catching the pack, but I want you to give it everything. 
And he kept creating these visualization scenarios. And because she's an athlete, she's very practiced at holding these mindsets. So off she went. And he said, and now that you're totally exhausted, here's what I want you to do. I want you to focus only on your form. Which means, for her, running at about 90%. Not running flat out, running at 90%, focused, 100% focused on form. Just start. Well, guess what? Her fastest lap by 10 seconds. Now, we're talking about laps arranging around the, the minute mark, or maybe a bit more. So 10 seconds is 10%. Even 15%. Guess what her fastest lap was? It was her last lap. Now, I could write a book to say, focus on form and you'll be a great runner. Because, look, I've got proof. Here's what Lotta did on her training. But that would be stupid, wouldn't it? What it says is, this particular person who grew up in swimming, who's practiced swimming in a pool all her life, where you can't see a competitor, swims fastest when she focuses on form because when she goes the extra 10% to focus on speed, her form goes and therefore her whole swim quality goes and therefore she slows down. But what about me? What if I did it? Now, given that I have a a plastic back made of titanium, I can't run. But if I could, I guarantee you, if you put me on that run track and you gave me 10 different scenarios, if you put someone in front of me and said catch them, that will be my fastest, fastest possible run. Because I naturally, automatically gravitate to form. I always hold style, always hold form in whatever I do. I never run at 100%, so I never break form. But so I'm left then with what's going to motivate me to go the extra yard, and for me, it's a competitive environment. I'm not always great at being chased. I lose confidence, but when I'm chasing, I know I can beat people. So what does it say? Does it say that uh, Simon Sinek's wrong, or does it say Lottie's wrong? No, it says that everybody's different and everybody needs to test what is the thing that keeps them, will give their personal best, will raise the bar above their competitors. What is the, what is the psychology of that? And it turns out it's very different for everybody. It turns out that there is no everybody, uh, as it says, never compete with Simon Tennant. It turns out that we are individuals and we get driven to meet our peak by different things. I know some people who are driven by fear. The fear of losing what they've got motivates them on a daily basis to perform. I know some people who are driven by their ego. They just simply want to prove to their family and their uh, uh, parents that they're better than everybody thinks. So it, it comes 
down to this generic book writing and the ignorance of the masses when they absorb something that someone says is a generic truth, uh, such as a religious philosophy, such as Simon Sinek is selling in his book, and says, oh, this, this must be right, it's for me. Two million business people, most of whom I would suggest will have MBAs and university academic qualifications, blindly buy into a philosophy of someone of a modern era. I got taught something many, many years ago, and I've held on to that teaching uh, as being my metric of life. The metric of life that I have is, did what you're about to learn stand the test of time? So in the last 10 minutes, the rain came down, somebody says, it rains a lot. So I don't read books that came down in the last shower. I don't read or absorb or listen to or follow fads or fancies or trends or fashions. There's an author, an American author, I think his name is Peck, who wrote a book, I can't remember his name, uh, who wrote a book that said corporate strategy needs to go like this. And then two years later wrote the book and said no, corporate strategy needs to go the opposite. And then two years later he said corporate strategy needs to go like this. What Simon Sinek has done in writing his book He's looked at the millennials, worked out that there's a massive market of book-buying millennials in the world, and decided to write a book into their consciousness, which means tell people what they want to hear until they're ready to hear what you want to tell them. You have to be afraid of this. Be very afraid of information that came down in the last shower. It is extraordinarily uh, debilitating. It will take you off track. It will meander your path. The, the universal laws of nature, which is what I've ended up uh, sharing with all of you, have stood the test of time since the very first apple dropped out of the tree. Since before human beings arrived, they've stood for me the test of time. The interpretation of them, well, that's relatively new. That's only two and a half thousand years old. But it also has stood the test of time. My teachers, 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 teachers have passed this on. I'm not saying be afraid of new things or be afraid of new ideas or technologies or whatever. It's just say, be suspicious. Be a good detective in your life. Don't buy into everything that everybody says is what everybody thinks is what everybody believes. It's one of the reasons that it's unwise, like I have, to go on Facebook or LinkedIn and put a counter comment to somebody's uh, uh, comment because those social media are constructed to get collect collusiveness, even if they collude around stupidity, such as uh, anti-Christian or anti-Islam or anti-black or anti-white or anti-blue or anti-green. The purpose of the social media is most often Facebook included, is to create collusiveness around like. But that doesn't mean what you like is right. It just means you've found a lot of like-minded people who are equally uh, deluded. So be suspicious. I've tried to be transparent in what I teach you in personal improvement. I've tried to be transparent and say that nothing of this comes from me. only comes through me. I just speak the voice of nature. That's all I'm trying to do here. It's all I work with. 
They didn't make it up. It didn't come down the last hour. It's been here forever. Nothing's ever missing, just changes in form. There's two sides to everything. The purpose of life is growth, expansion, more. These are opportunities to immerse yourself in information that's stood the test of time. Okay, it's time for an ocean swim now. Uh, my heart is wide open. I hope this information doesn't sound like I've got to be in my bonnet about somebody. I believe everything serves a purpose, including Simon and including the clans that talk about generic things that are not uh, and try to make them specific to everybody. I believe there's a purpose in it and there's a value in it for a bunch of people, but not everybody. So to that end, I'll leave you and I'm going to go for a gorgeous ocean swim out here. Have a beautiful day. Bye for now.